If you have your Bibles, you can stand with me. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. One verse for our text. Verse 14. I'm really glad for God's Word today. Amen. Yeah. Hebrews 12, verse 14. Are you there yet? Say amen. amen. Alright. God's word says, follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the Spirit of God who lives in us. And I pray this morning, God, that your word might have free course and it will accomplish what it's set us to do. And we'll give you the glory and praise. In the precious name of Christ, I pray. And all God's people said, Amen. You can be seated. Well, as I look around this morning at the folks who are here, I think this might be a rhetorical question, but how many want to see the Lord? Amen. That's the, that is the heartbeat of our faith. That one day we will see him face to face. And the Bible tells us we need to follow peace, but we also need to follow holiness because God said without it, no man shall see the Father. We are continuing our series about the foundation being destroyed. And our title this morning is simply Holiness Before the Lord. Now we've been several months now looking at the foundations. Certain aspects that I think are vital to the church that are now under attack. And I think some of the things the church has let go by the wayside. And it's not good for the health of the church. Our foundational verse is 11 uh, 11th division of Psalm, verse 3. Well, the Bible says, If the foundation be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Now, I'm going to go into a lot of detail. We've already done that quite a bit. But I think we can all agree just how important a foundation is. Whether it's the foundation of a building or the foundation of an organization. Foundations are important. So that's what we're doing. We're looking at foundational things that are under attack, not only from outside the church, but also from within the church. And we started a few weeks ago, I believe, looking at things that the church, in my opinion, has kind of let slide again to our detriment. And we began a few weeks ago with preachers. That today it is going to be your turn. But today we're going to broaden our focus And we're going to include not only preachers, but the entire body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so today, we are going to consider the topic of holiness. Notice our text again, Hebrews 12, 14. Follow peace with all men, and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Now, I must confess, I I rarely use... This Bible except Sunday morning to preach. Now don't misinterpret that, alright? I have it on a computer. So that means I don't read the Bible, I do. I remember some years ago, uh, when computer, computer began to be more and more 
uh, in people's homes and the Bible was uh, put on computers. Uh, one of my pastor friends, a good friend of mine, his, his wife thought, man, that's wrong. You've got to have, you have the pages, okay? Well, I'm glad we got God's Word anyway. We can get it, all right? But uh, I've got a, a lot of old Bibles. I don't like throwing my Bibles away. Uh, some of my Bibles, and we kept them dry, but the print got blurred through the years. But I get them old Bibles, and I can't hardly read them anymore without my cheaters. But I look, and I got a lot of verses underlined. Anybody got any verses underlined in your Bible? Yeah, okay. Now, on my computer, I have got one of those highlighter texts, so I just highlight them. Uh, most of the ones that I want to do, I kind of do like a, a almost a purple color, whatever. And every year when I read through my Bible again, I can see where I, other verses caught my attention. Well, I thought about this verse we just read in the book of Hebrews, where Paul's, I'm not, I said Paul, uh-oh. The writer of Hebrews said, whoever it was, said, Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. And I would venture to guess that very few of us have that verse underlined in our Bibles or verses like that. And I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but I think the problem is we really love those verses that give us promises. Right? And we underline those verses. We tend to, to gravitate Toward those verses. But when I get to verses like Hebrews 12, 14, that verse is not a promise, but it is a verse of obligation. Somebody say amen. And I think we need to realize as Christians, not only are the promises of God important for our lives, but also the things that God commands us to do. They are very important in our lives. And so again, our topic today It's going to be holiness because the Bible says, without it, no man shall see the Lord. Now, I mentioned last week the church has been busy throughout the ages since the the inception of the church, and and there's nothing wrong with that. A lot of things going on. In fact, uh, just kind of a little bit of an advertisement here. Uh, This Thursday uh, evening, Jeremy and uh, Jesse will be heading down to eastern Kentucky, uh, taking my old van down there, my tools. And uh, I'm going to uh, join a group of other Freeville Baptists down there to help, you know, victims of the flood. And I think that's great. And the church has always been involved in things like that. And by the way, let me tell you this. The churches are usually the first ones there. Amen. And they're there when everybody else goes home. They're there when NBC and ABC and rest of them take their cameras away. The church is still there. And so we've got a group of people working uh, this weekend. They did last weekend as well in eastern Kentucky, helping the, those that have lost their homes in floods and their rehabbing homes and doing a lot of work. And so the church has always been about that. There's nothing wrong with that. That's important. In fact, we read last week, we're not going to go there again today, but James tells us that faith without works is what? It's dead. It has absolutely no value. So there's absolutely no doubt that good works are very important and they are even commendable. And the fact of the matter, I don't care who you are, we cannot show our faith apart from good works. Understand that. Our faith is displayed best, not in what we say, but in our actions. So no, I'm not against working on good works. doesn't save us. But we are saved under good works and the things the church is involved with, they are Commendable. I think all of these things and many others, pieces put together a puzzle, if you were the whole picture of Christ. 
But I think one piece that is missing today in most churches of the spiritual makeup of the church, and that is being holy before the Lord. If I read my Bible correctly and understand it, my Bible says that my God doesn't change. He's immutable. And if God's Word says something was wrong 2,000 years ago, guess what? It's wrong today. If God said to pursue something 2,000 years ago, we are to pursue it today. And there's little pursuit of holiness in the churches in our nation today. In fact, most of our churches have become too worldly. Amen. Way too worldly. Exodus 28, verse 36. We read this verse last week. God says this, And thou shalt make a plate of pure gold, and engrave upon it, means engrave upon it, like the engravings of a signet, holiness to the Lord. Holiness to the Lord. Now how many know that the tabernacle that was built in the wilderness, including its furnishings and the clothing of the priest and the high priest, did not come from Moses. Where did it come from? It came from God. It was a pattern that God showed to Moses on the mountain. And Moses, in turn, gave that pattern to the people. And one of the things that was required for the high priest They were to take a plate of pure gold and they were to take an object and engrave on that plate the words holiness to the Lord. And that plate was attached by cords to the front of the turban and they wore it on their forehead. Holiness to Unto the Lord. If you're a student of the scripture, you know there were a lot of things going on under the old sacrificial worship system. But what that signified of everything you do, Jews, the most important thing is your holiness before God. More than your works. And God didn't say the works weren't necessary, not for salvation, but God commends good works. He commended their sacrifices, their worship. And so, as they, the pie priest wore this, it was a perpetual reminder of Israel's need for purity before God. And I want to say to you today, the greatest need of the church today is purity before God. We must live lives that are holy before the Lord. We're not going to go back and reread it again today. We read the verses last week. But we need to remember that God prophesied to the prophet Zechariah that there's coming a day, there's coming a day when holiness is going to characterize every area of our life our religious life, our public life, and even our private life. 
Folks, God is going to bring holiness into this world. But not until he changes it. Amen. I'm going to tell you, folks, the world's not getting better. It's getting worse. The world's not getting closer to God. It's getting farther away from God. But God is going to make a change. And when he does, everyone and everything, religious, private, public, doesn't matter, is going to be holy. So we have a mandate before God to be holy. We have the fact that God is going to bring about holiness one of these days. And because of that, both of those are true. We have to realize God expects you and I today in our culture to live holy lives before Him. That has not changed. I find it kind of interesting. And and by the way, I believe the church ought to be about the Father's business. I believe it's important we preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. We tell others how to be saved. And we need to learn, folks, we can't convince anyone, but God's Spirit can. God's Word, they are truth and they are life. They are spirit and they are life. And so, yes, we need to be preaching that Word, proclaiming the goodness of Jesus Christ and how He came to save sinners just like me. But I want you to realize, even in the church, rarely do we hear holiness preached on anymore. Because we're living in a time, and I, and, I, and I want to win people to Christ. But folks, we cannot and we must not water down the truth of God's Word. We've got to stay true to God's Word. Now, I don't want to be arrogant about that. I don't want to be prideful because I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I just want the world to know that I'm just a beggar who found bread and I want them to find that same bread. I want them to know where I found it in the Lord Jesus Christ. But I have to realize as I live this life in this world, God expects me to be holy. In fact, it's such a mandate on God's part God said very clearly, if I don't have holiness in my life, I will never see the Lord. You know how I want to see him. I want to see him more than anything in life. And to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. So when I think about the command and the mandate in Scripture, to pursue holiness. When I realize the consequence of not doing that, of not seeing the Lord, that bothers me. And so it tells me, and it reminds me every day, that I need vigorously to pursue personal holiness with God. That is my responsibility as an individual. It is your responsibility as an individual. Because the bottom line is this, folks. Sin cannot stand in the presence of God. He is too holy to look upon sin. And i got to tell you, by the grace of God, one day I'm going to stand before Him. And, 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 and by the way, when I do, when I do, I must, 
And I will be sinless when I stand before the Lord by the blood of Jesus Christ. But in the meantime, I must pursue holiness. Now, I would hope by now in your walk with God, you'd realize exactly how serious God is about holiness. And because God is serious about holiness, I am convinced that we need to be serious about preaching it. We need to be serious about teaching it. But most of all, we need to get serious about living it. Holy lives before God. I don't remember if I mentioned this last Sunday morning or in a Bible study on Wednesday, and I don't remember for sure. But I'm always reminded, I mean, just about as soon as they get this sacrificial system on the ground, up and running, uh, Aaron's two sons, what did they do? They offered a wrong kind of incense. And what did God do? He zapped them. I don't like better, you know, kind of a bad term. You know why? Because God is serious about holiness. He was serious then, and my friend, he is serious now. So because I can't see God without holiness, it is certainly something that we need to pursue in our lives. We began last week to look at biblical holiness, what it was, and we used 1 Peter chapter 1, look at verses 13 through 16 again. Peter says, Wherefore, now you know I like that word wherefore, don't you? We'll get back to that in a little while. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fasting yourselves according to the former lust of your ignorance, But as he which has called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. Wow. Now, by the way, Peter's quoting from Leviticus 11, where God says, for I am the Lord your God, you shall therefore sanctify yourselves, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Leviticus 19, verse 2, speaking to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying to them, you shall be holy, for I, the Lord, your God, am holy. Is God serious? You better know He is. Now, I want to make just a quick comment before we move on today. Uh, Back to verse 15. Uh, Peter says, uh, as He which is called to be holy, uh, is holy, so be you holy in all manner of conversation. Now, I'm reading from the King James. I know there are other translations out there, some put it lifestyle uh, in your in the in the uh, way you behave, and that's that's you know all three fit. But literally, the Greek word means to live according to your citizenship. Somebody say Amen. How many know we're not citizens of the world? I'm just passing through. I'm just a pilgrim on a journey. My citizenship is in heaven. Amen. And so that's what Peter's saying here. Live according to your citizenship. Amen. Praise the Lord. So let's take a minute. We kind of started last. We didn't get finished with God's holiness. So what does it mean 
that God is holy. We did a, a Wednesday night on this some weeks ago. And we concluded that God is not just holy, He's what? Say it. Amen. Holy, holy, holy. God is holy, holy, holy. And whenever we consider the holiness of God, it refers to the unparalleled majesty of His incomparable being, His blameless, faultless, unblemished moral purity. And how many know there's nobody like God? There is no other like God. And then when we think about God's holiness, the only way we can even sum it up is that God has absolute perfection. Now we read from Hosea last week. I do want to go back there today. I think it's very important. Hosea 11 verse 9. And God says this. I will not execute the fierceness of mine anger. I will not return to destroy Ephraim. For I am God and not man. The Holy One in the midst of thee and I will not enter into the city. Now let me kind of break this down just a little bit because I want to point something very important. First of all, we need to be thankful that God's not like us. We need to be thankful that our God does not behave like us. Now, first of all, I want to point something out. Uh, God mentions Ephraim there, and it's just a, a word, if you will, for Israel, for northern Israel. God's speaking about Israel. And if you know the story, Israel had pushed God to the limit. If God had the limit, they pushed him there. And God realized they deserved the full extent of his wrath. You got that? Let me ask you a question. How many here... By raising your hand, we'll say, Preacher, I would love to experience the fullness of God's wrath. Nobody would. Now, have you ever said, if you tell me no, you're lying, or have you ever thought, I am so mad at that person, I could fill in the blank, Right? God says, God says, I am not a man. And so I'm not going to react like that. Even though it's God, he has every right to act like that. God says, if I were a man, I would act with unrestrained anger after what you've done to me. But God says, I'm not going to destroy you. I'm going to restore you. Wow. Amen. And i got to tell you, God has every right to say to me, He could destroy me. But you know what God did to destroying me? He restored me. Because God is holy, holy, holy. And so we have to understand that God never breaks His promises. Because he's a holy God. And I realize in the context of Hosea 11, we're talking about his promises that God made to Israel. 
And God says, I'm not going to enter into your city like a human being would and carry out my vengeance. I'm not going to do that. Why? Because I am God and I'm not a man. So I want to remind you, because God is holy, 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 God is unlike any other. And God's holiness is the essence of that other. That's what makes God distinct. God is the very being. In his very being, God is completely absent of any trace of sin. I don't have the verb, but John said, God is light and in him is no darkness at all. James wrote this verse, James 1.13. Let no man say when I am tempted of God. Let, let no man say when he's tempted, I am tempted of God. Why? For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. I'm telling my, my age here, how many remember Flip Wilson? Boy, Dan, you're getting old, brother. Huh? What do you always say? Devil made me do it. And that's probably true in a lot of cases. One thing you can never say when it comes to evil, God made you do it. Because God cannot sin. Hebrews 6, 17 and 18. Wherein God, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the Immutability of his counsel confirmed it by an oath. So we have the oath of God. Verse 18. That by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. Now, by the way, God is speaking here, and whoever is writing Hebrews, it is the Word of God. And we need to understand something. We spoke about Hosea a moment ago. It's primarily speaking of the covenant God made with the nation of Israel. But now we're in the New Testament. And the writer of Hebrews says that God showed his heirs a promise, and he confirmed it. With a note. Not only did it apply to the Jews then, it applies to us now. God has made a promise to us. He has confirmed that promise with a note. And then the writer goes on to say a second thing we know it's going to come true because it's impossible for God to lie. And because God's oath and God's promise cannot be changed. Preacher, why can't they be changed? I'll tell you why. Because God is holy, holy, holy. And we, have to, we cannot forget about, about that, about our holy God. God is high above any other. And no one, no one can even come close to compare to Him. The psalmist was right in Psalm 40, verse 5. Many... How many like that word many? Many, O Lord, my God, are thy wonderful works which thou hast done. And thy thoughts are to usward 
They cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. It's been a while, I think now. My memory's not what it used to be. But it's been a while since we sang that old song, Count Your Many Blessings. Do what? Name them one by one. But the fact of the matter is, if we count our many blessings, name them one by one, we can't count that high. That's what the psalmist says. God's holiness pervades his entire being and it shapes all of his attributes. And when I think about God's holiness, I want you to realize God's love is a holy love. When I think about God's mercy, God's mercy is a holy mercy. And by the way, when I think about God's anger, God's anger is a holy anger. When I consider the wrath of God, God's wrath is also a holy wrath. And I realize that these concepts are difficult for you and I to wrap our minds around. This is God. It's difficult to understand in His entirety. But folks, God is God and there is no other. He is holy, holy, holy. Now, by the way, I did some research and there was, there's a vast amount of scriptures on God's holiness. We're going to leave it at that for today. But the mandate, we know God is holy. He's holy by nature. But the mandate is for you and I to pursue holiness. So what does that mean? What does that mean? Now we read a moment ago from Leviticus 11 and Leviticus 19. And God told Israel, I want you to be holy. Because I'm holy, I want you to be holy. And what he's saying to his people, I want you to be distinct from the rest of the world. Somebody say amen. Folks, we're living in a time where the church is losing its distinctiveness. I want you to be distinct from other nations. And I'm doing that, I want you to do that, and I'm giving you specific guidelines, regulations, and precepts. And God says, in fact, I expect you to live by them, to be holy as I am holy. So think about in the original context. Israel was God's chosen nation. And God had taken that nation and he set them apart from other people groups. Not because they were any better, but only because of his sovereignty. And they are his special people. And because of that, God had given them standards that God wanted them to live by so the world could know, hey, he belongs to God. She belongs to God. And my friend, God has given us standards as well. And you and I, we need to pursue holiness, not so we can put the thumbs in our breast and say, well, look what I've done, but pursue holiness that we can show people that we belong to God. We are God's people. First Peter, we read a moment ago in verse 16, look what it says. Because it is written, be ye holy for I am holy. Now, hold on. We said already, Peter quoted from Leviticus. And when God said it, originally, he was speaking to the Jews. 
But now Peter, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, draws from Leviticus. And when Peter repeats those words in Leviticus, here in 1 Peter, do you understand he's now talking to Christians? He's talking to believers just like you and I. So what are you saying, preacher? If you are a child of God, we need to be set apart from the world. There needs to be a distinction in the way we live our lives. We need to be living by God's standards and not the world's standards. Now, by the way, and I'm glad for this, God didn't call us to be perfect. He's calling us to be holy. Holy before the Lord. And don't miss that. He's calling us to be distinct from this world. Go to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. Peter says, You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praise of him who has called you out of darkness unto his marvelous light. Now we're looking at holiness this morning. And don't miss the fact that Peter says in verse 9 of Second Peter, chapter 1, we are a holy nation. We are a holy nation. Folks, it's a fact. We are separated from the world, and we need, we need to live out every day that reality in our lives. And we just read from verses 13 through 16 in 1 Peter chapter 1. In those verses, Peter tells us exactly how that can be done. Now, let me interject something here real quick. From what I see in our culture today, it's getting bad when you can't tell, tell the church from the world. I think the problem we have, we ask the question, well, what is right for me or what is wrong for me? And we're looking for some black and white verses, amen? And we'll preach it, the, the Bible didn't say it's wrong to do this. Well, the Bible didn't say it's wrong to do that. But here's what I'm going to tell you. And you can write it down in the book you write things down in. If you don't have a book, get you one. The precepts and the principle of God's Word is if it looks like worldliness, avoid it. Amen. Wait a minute, preacher, it doesn't say that. No, don't have to say it. But if it looks and it smacks of worldliness, avoid it. Too many people in the church are trying to live as close as they can to the edge without stepping over. 
Now, uh, I, I must confess, I am not the best driver in the world. A few years ago, I was driving through Amelia. True story. Thank the Lord there wasn't anybody on the sidewalk. And there wasn't no car in front of me. There wasn't no car cut me off. Before I realized, I'm driving down the sidewalk. Not, not all four tires, but I had two tires. <laughs> so I don't remember that night or the next night. She and I were coming through me. I said, honey, you won't believe the day I was coming through town. I got here and I said, I was on the sidewalk. Before I knew it, I was on the sidewalk again. Now, I've never, we've, we've gone down to Gatlinburg a few times, Rick and Ruby, and we appreciate that. And pretty good hills down there, Rick. And some of them roads, and I want to tell you, I stay as far from the edge as I can. Because I know it's dangerous. But too many Christians live their lives too close to the edge. So don't look at, is it right or wrong? Does the Bible say specific, is it wrong? Is it what the world normally does? Does it look like the world? Does it smell like the world? Does it talk like the world? And if it does, we need to avoid those things. Amen. Now, by the way, it's hard to even, well, I guess, I'm on my soapbox, I guess. It's, you know, it's hard to even go to a restaurant nowadays without a bar in there. I mean, it kind of upset me. I mean, God had a good day when he made Cracker Barrel. Amen. But just this last year, they started serving alcohol, which I'm kind of against that. And uh, we frequent frequent quite a bit one uh, restaurant in Amelia. We love going there. And they have a bar there. And the first few times we were there, on several occasions, someone would try to set us next to the bar. And I, I refused. I just don't want to be there next to that. And uh, it might be just a quirk that I have. But we've been there so long, so many times, unless there's a new waiter or waitress, they know better. They don't even, you know, they don't even try to sit us next to the bar. Now, again, will it make me sin? No, not, not it won't. I just, I just don't like what goes on there. Uh, but whatever it is, folks, avoid worldly pursuits. Just, just avoid it, okay? So how, how, do, how do we become holy? Well, number one, you have to be born again. It begins with a right relationship with God. Now, again, there has to be a balance here, but understand something important. If you are not born again, you will never become holy. You can quit everything you can think of quitting, and you won't become holy. Only God can make you holy. So holiness can only come from a right relationship with God by believing in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and accepting His gift of eternal life. He must become the Lord of our life. Period. That's where it begins. And if we have placed our faith in Christ, in God's Son, His, in Him alone, to save us from our sins, if we don't do that, I don't care how hard you try, how fast you run, your pursuit of holiness is wasted. You'll never make it. So the first thing we have to make sure is that we are born again. I didn't say make sure you're baptized. That's important, but you're going to be saved first. 
I didn't say join a church. That's important. But salvation through Jesus Christ and faith alone in Him is the only thing that saves you. John 3, 3, you know the verse. Jesus, speaking to Nicodemus, said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So if we truly are believers, then we recognize that our position in Christ is automatically sets us apart from the world. Once you're saved, Jesus, God through Jesus Christ, sets you apart from the world. So what is true positionally, you replace that when you got saved, has to become true practically every day in our lives. But it begins with a relationship with God. Second of all, how to become holy? We've got to live a life daily. Live a life daily that's set apart from the world. First Peter 2.9 again. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Notice it says that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I wonder sometimes, folks, if we have forgotten what a marvelous privilege we have to have a relationship with the living God. Think about that. And when we realize it, folks, what a privilege that is to have that kind of relationship with the God of the universe. Once we get a hold of that, the Bible is very clear. We must live daily a life that is set apart. We must live our life not trying to blend in with the world. We must live our life according to the Word of God as we study and read the Word of God and grow in it. It begins with a right relationship. But then it continues in living a separate, separated life on a daily basis. So that's where it begins. So I've told you what we need to do. We need to be born again, first of all. And second of all, what we need to do, we need to live separated lives. In fact, the Bible has come out from among them, be you separate, right? Amen. How many know that's true today, too? Amen. That's what we need to do. So the question I'm going to ask next week is, how? How are we to do it? So my question is, number one, have you been born again? Don't tell me, preacher, I joined the church. How many know you can join the church and go to hell? Well, preacher, I've been baptized. How many know you can be baptized and go to hell? Sure. Sure. My friend, you cannot be born again and go to hell. You must be born again. But also, Christian, we need to practice holy living every day of our lives. Our lives must be distinct 
from the world. Let's stand together. Thank you, Lord. I don't know how many are able to listen online anymore. I know in the past some of my family has listened online. I appreciate that. But whoever, the, whoever you are, wherever you are, if you're here this morning in the building, make sure you're born again. Don't just play church. Have you been born again? Nail that down. Because without that, you can't live holy lives. And if you are a Christian, live like one. Live like Christians. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today for your precious word. I thank you for your goodness, Lord, and your mercy. And I pray, God, that you'll speak to hearts today. Lord, I know there's someone that needs to be saved. Whether here in our building this morning or watching online, somebody needs to be saved today, God. I pray, Lord, that you would speak to their hearts, draw them near to you. And as us as Christians as well, we would wake up, Lord, and make sure that we're living lives that please you. In the precious name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Brother Rick, when you're ready, let's go ahead and sing a song of invitation this morning.